All right, y'all agree with me. So, Father, we come in agreement tonight, right now, all of us as a church together. We pray for the word of the Lord. We thank you for your word. Where will we be today without the word? But we love worship. We love the presence of God. We love the gifts and all of that. But, Lord, we love your word. It is our anchor, and we've got to be rooted in the word. And we love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. And as we pray tonight, I ask you that your precious Holy Spirit would move upon all those that are going to be hearing this because the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would help us. He'll move upon our hearts and minds and help us to have good soil, anoint our eyes and ears that we can have eyes and ears of the Spirit, that we can see maybe what we couldn't see before. We can hear what God is saying to us. We have good soil of hearts and minds that the Word can go out into that, into our hearts and into our minds and, and really take root. And Lord, I pray that as you speak through me under an anointing tonight, that the word of God will be like Jesus taught us in the parable of the seed and the sower. There'll be seeds of truth and life. And Lord, these seeds will be sown into good fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Help us, Lord, to be rooted and established in the truth, that we have deep roots down in the word of God. We're on a firm foundation of obedience to Christ's teaching. Lord, as you speak through me tonight, I ask you that the winds of the Holy Spirit, he will carry this out among the nations where it needs to go, that your mighty angels will watch over your word. Lord, let there be a washing of the water of the word. Lord, let there be a shining bright light of truth that dispels all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception, all of the, you know, the lies of the enemy, the traditions of men, things that are not God, and it's a hindrance. Let your light dispel all of that darkness and bring revelation and truth. And Lord, let your word be a sword, a double-edged sword that's going to penetrate and get where it needs to go. Let it be like a hammer that's going to break down every stronghold. And Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And we take authority that Jesus taught us the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So we agree together that anything of the devil that would try to hinder this, that would try to distract, that would try to steal in Jesus' name, we bind it now. We command you to back off. We break your power right now in Jesus' name. You will back off away from this word. And Lord, we thank you that your word does not return void. It will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. So let everything be accomplished in and through this tonight that your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you guys for agreeing with me in prayer. So I'm talking about briefly, this isn't going to be terribly long, but I want to talk about the resurrection of the dead. We've been dealing with Americanized Christianity. In this, we talked about different entanglements, how the enemy tries to wrap people up into different things. You know, we know that, many of you know anyway in River of Life about personal deliverance. You pray through things of your sinful past, you deal with generational curses, all that's important. In fact, I would say it's extremely important. But what I've been dealing with in this series is more along the lines of not getting entangled with the traps that are in the world system. How many knows that we're in this world, but we're not of it? This, the Bible calls this end time world Babylon. And it comes from the root word Babel, which means confusion. And how many of you guys see a lot of confusion in the world? They don't have the truth. You know, they're groping around in spiritual darkness. But... Even though we're in this world, we need to remain untangled up from this, the world's system in different ways. And I dealt with things about medical Babylon. I dealt with economic Babylon. I dealt with, you know, the religious Babylon, the religious counterfeit that's out there, counterfeit gospel, things like that. 
And I've dealt with a lot of different subjects, but I want to close this out with the hope of the resurrection. This is a really interesting sermon, and I think that how many of you guys would say that you've been in church for a while, but you've never really heard a sermon on the resurrection of the dead about that? How many would say that for a wave at me? Several. You know, it's a main theme, so I really don't understand that because it's a pretty big concept in the New Testament, isn't it? But God has called us to resurrection life and power. As I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about the time that Jesus was ministering and people came to him and even some of the, the religious Pharisees and Sadducees came. And the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. You know, just to put this out there, I, I don't want to get deep into this at all because it's another sermon for another day, but there's different entanglements and traps that the devil tries to get people into. There's a spirit of Leviathan that has to do with pride. And pride many times will cause us to get frustrated and blame God for our problems. We'll want to blame other people for our problems. People kind of get a victim, an orphan, and a rejection mentality. This is a real spirit, Leviathan. But then it works in conjunction with another spirit of rejection. As people get irritated, they start blaming God, but then they feel rejected. They feel rejected by God. They feel rejected by people. They feel like, you know, they never fit in any place. They don't know where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing. That's a spirit of rejection. And then another spirit comes in of heaviness that will bring depression. And when depression comes, heaviness will also bring health problems with it. You hear me? These spirits work together. So be careful about what I just mentioned because that's a powerful stronghold I've seen in many people's lives. It's pride that works with rejection, that works with heaviness. And it creates a stronghold in people. But God wants us to get set free and dismantle all the different strongholds that the enemy has had around us. I remember I told this story earlier in this series, but there was a missionary. And he was out on the mission field and there was a, some kind of tsunami, I mean not a tsunami, some kind of a, a storm began to just slam the area. And high winds, torrential downfall of rain... And in, in the terrain that they had, it created some kind of a whirlpool. And around this whirlpool, there were some willow trees. And the willow trees, their branches, would get pulled down in that water. And there was um, some children that one of the kids had fallen into the whirlpool. And he was getting sucked down to his death. And whenever you, that, that water was, the current of it was whipping people around. Also, the willow branches that were in the water were hitting and they were wrapping people up, wrapping up this kid. I think there was more than one person in there. And people were doing their best to try to rescue. Well, the missionary had a lot of um, experience as a swimmer and he was a very strong swimmer. And so he dove in to save this kid's life. And he said that while he was swimming down there, he was getting toward the kid and that willow tree began to wrap him up. So here he is having to hold his breath and break these branches off of him so that he could help the child. And I told this story anyway, he did get the kid out. And so, but here's the, here's the point of that, is that for him to have rescued that kid, he had to break those branches off of him because he was entangled himself. And for us to really be everything God has called us to be, we're going to have to break all these entanglements. And that's what this series has been dealing with. Don't get wrapped up in this world system in any area, whether it's financial, whether it's medical, whatever it is, stay freed up from the different ensnarements of this present world.
All right, so let me dive into this. Philippians 3, 7. This is probably one of the most profound things the Apostle Paul said in all of his writing. God, understand as well that Paul wrote this while he was in prison. And he was learning to be thankful in all things and to praise God even in difficult times. And the prisons of this time were not, you know, sitting around watching TV, lifting weights and things, okay? It was... <laughs> It was, it was really bad. So Philippians 3, 7, whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Now, Paul being a Pharisee would have been famous, wealthy, and powerful, and revered among his people. You understand that? He would have been a celebrity. But he said, all of that that was gained to me, those things, now I count them as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that's derived from the law. So in other words, just constantly working and striving to measure up. No, he's saying, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That, now listen to this. This is what I want to get to. That I might know him, number one. And that word know in the Greek implies really intimate knowledge to really deeply know the Lord. Number two, the power of his resurrection. Number three, the fellowship of his sufferings. Number four, being conformed to his death. Number five, in order that I might attain the resurrection from the dead. That is really profound. I encourage you over this next week to read over that, pray over it, think about it. But to really deeply know the Lord. There's a lot of people that are religious. They go to church, they call themselves a Christian, they can quote scripture, etc., etc., but they don't know him. And it's scary because on Judgment Day, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, you know, they said to Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Lord, we, we, you know, we cast out demons in your name. We, we pray for the sick and they were healed. We prophesied. We did all these things in your name. And Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. So make sure that you really know the Lord, not just religious. And it begins by a new birth. That's what we need. The Holy Spirit comes in. We're born again. Once you're born again, you're never going to be the same. God will change you. And number two, the power of his resurrection. You, you know what a lot of places are missing? The power of resurrection. See, when it, first off, to come into resurrection, there has to be a death. And the reason why a lot of Christians have never really come, in, come into resurrection life and power is because they've never been crucified with Christ. And the reason why many churches are powerless and they don't have to be, but they're not really preaching about the resurrection, and they themselves are not coming through that, that death to the flesh, the death to the world. There's not, what happened to the message of repentance? You know, I remember back in the, in the day when I was growing up and also into the, the time that I really came to know the Lord in the 90s and the Brownsville Revival, I mean, it was like you heard repentance. And it was, it was a conviction of the Holy Spirit. And through what God was doing, you were 
hearing the right messages, the power of God was moving. You were dying to self. You were dying to the world. You were getting freed up because of repentance. And what was happening? You were coming into like a resurrection life. But Paul talked about the fellowship of the sufferings. All of this goes into being conformed to his death. Once you've really been crucified with Christ, you die completely to yourself. You die to your flesh. You die to the world. And it's not just a one-time thing. Paul said, I die daily. But once you really come to that place of death, then what happens is God begins to free you up from a lot of the junk. And the Holy Spirit will come live through you, and there's resurrection, life, and victory. And then we know that, and I'm going to get to this later, Romans 11:15. If their rejection, talking about Israel, you know, rejected the Messiah, if their rejection of Jesus is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? That's a resurrection. If the first piece of dough is holy, speaking of Israel, the lump is also, if the root is holy, then the branches are too. So we've all been engrafted in through Christ. So when Jesus comes to Israel and Israel accepts him, it's going to release resurrection life to the whole earth. Y'all hearing me? So what we're dealing with tonight is resurrection. So let me go through this. We've got to come into resurrection life and power. See, Jesus, the Bible says about him, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. There's a coming resurrection of the dead, which I'll talk about later. But right now, let me just focus on this. The more that we're crucified with Christ and the Lord begins to move through us, resurrection life more and more, that's where many of the healings and the deliverances and the power of God comes. It's being crucified and then resurrection life flowing through you. For example, the, the olive you know, here's this poor Olive, one day just minding his own business. Never did anything to anybody. And here comes some guy with a stick, man, he's beating the Olive, and all the, these Olives fall to the ground. And then somebody picks up the Olive, he's cleaning them off, and what happens? Crushing. But through the crushing, the anointing oil comes. Don't be surprised if you're saying, Lord, I want an anointing. I want you to really begin to use me. God's going to allow some big guy with a stick to show up. And your little world's going to start getting rocked. There's going to be some falls. There's going to be some crushing. What's happening though? God is helping you to die completely to yourself. You know, it's true. I, I heard someone say this. Say, you know, God's not really interested in us having this really great high self-esteem like a lot of people think not really what he's interested in us is being crucified with christ because when you're really dead you don't care what other people think all of a sudden the holy spirit lives through you the holy spirit brings a boldness in the holy ghost the boldness comes by the anointing of the holy spirit but there has to be a death to come into resurrection and let's make a note here that those that live careless, carnal, self-indulgent lives will not be counted among Christ at his coming. Those that don't repent, they're not going to be his when he comes. There has to be also an absence. So number one, the first thing I want to say is, and I think I've made this point, is that you're really crucified with Christ, dead to self, 
God has crushed things that need to crush. Now the anointing oil will begin to flow. But secondly, there has to be an absence of a religious spirit. There's not going to be a vacuum. Okay? It's like you take a glass of water. I just happen to have this up here. But anyway, this water is this high, but the rest of it is air. It's not a vacuum. The less water, the more air. What I'm saying is, is that there's always going to be this influence that's out there, but the less of a religious spirit that there is, the more of the anointing and the move of the Holy Spirit will be taking place. And people don't mean to, but they come under the influence of a religious spirit. And the religious spirit operates a lot through pride. Because of pride in that religious spirit, they, they can't hardly look at a person, a place, a ministry, or a thing without being critical. They criticize. They judge. They're, they're, they don't like it. It doesn't fit into their mindset. It should be this way. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way it's supposed to be. And they get worked up. And there's an anger in that that's demonic. It's not God. It's a religious spirit. A religious spirit also is very legalistic. And I believe in holiness, man. Let me tell you. And I believe in preaching holiness. But there's some people that get too legalistic about every little thing. They're splitting hairs about everything. And a religious spirit is also very ritual-based. Everything has to be decent and in order. And I believe in things being in order. But I believe in it being in biblical and Holy Spirit order. There's a difference. Not man's control. See, man wants to control and put it in their order. And then they say, well, this is pleasing to God. No, it's not. It's pleasing to you. You're, you're trying to fit everything into your box in the way you think God is. You're trying to create something in your image in the way you want it and then put like a bow on it and say, see, that's God. It's not God, it's you. But the religious spirit brings pet doctrines. How many people have had the wrong people get a hold of them? They're taught against healing. They're taught against deliverance. They're taught Christians can't need deliverance. They're taught against the gifts. They're taught against tongues. They don't have a clue. But the wrong people indoctrinated them with pet doctrines. Let me just encourage people out there, read the Bible for yourself. They get so caught up with traditions of men and religious control legalism criticisms as i've mentioned the more that that is purged out of your midst the more the holy spirit will be moving in your midst but the more religious spirit is allowed in the less the holy spirit will be moving you're going to have one or the other And remember as well, it is the Holy Spirit who brings resurrection life. See, we think about resurrection, we think about somebody being raised from the dead. Absolutely, that's part of it. But what about somebody, this is just as real, what about somebody being raised from the spiritual death that they were in? What about somebody that was as dead and dry spiritually as you could imagine? Spiritually speaking, they're dragging themselves across desert sands, and it's like the Holy Spirit begins to move in their life and it's like they're spiritually raised to new life. 
That's revival. And I believe that the church right now in the day and age we live desperately needs revival. We, in America, we need a historic revival. So let me get into the last part I wanted to talk about. Understanding the hope of the resurrection, Christ is the first fruits. So there's going to be, right now, we live in this time where we need to be crucified with Christ and walk in resurrection life, okay? It's a daily thing. And also, we're living at a time where if you're to die in Christ right now, your spirit will leave you and go to be with the Lord in heaven. But your body goes into the ground. So your body has not experienced resurrection yet. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Isn't it interesting that when he raised from the dead, it was so powerful. The Bible says that there were many other people that raised from the dead when Christ did and were seen by many. You imagine living in Jerusalem at that time. All of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. Uncle Charlie, who had been dead for 10 years, <laughs> is standing there. What happened to you? Well, Jesus raised from the dead, and we all raised up with him, you know. The Bible says many raised when Christ was raised. So there was resurrection life and power that exploded when Jesus raised from the dead. But you have to understand that when he comes a second time, that is actually what's happening. Jesus, the Bible says he's going to descend. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be the voice of the archangel, the blasting of the shofar. This meeting is in the air. His feet don't touch the ground. He's in the air. He's in the clouds. But what does it say? Let me read it to you. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, talking about death, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. In other words, they're with him. Be comforted by that, they're with him. And then he says this, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. You know, it is quite possible that we will see this in our lifetime. We're seeing all the signs of the latter days happening right now. It is possible that we could see Jesus in the air, that shofar blast in that meeting take place in our lifetime. But listen to what it says. For the Lord, verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. What's happening? Resurrection. Those who were dead in Christ, their spirit right now and their soul, obviously, their spirit, they're with the Lord now. But when he comes in what we call the rapture, you can call it the catching away, whatever. But when he comes and the blast of that shofar happens, you got to understand that the dead are going to be raised. The people that are with the Lord right now, they don't have their glorified bodies. But when this rapture happens, that's, 
this has got to happen because everybody that's in Christ is going to be given a glorified body. And those of us that are alive at his appearing, the Bible says our bodies will be changed like a blink of an eye into a glorified body. How many look forward to that? You know, all of a sudden, age reverses. All of a sudden, the weight loss you've been wanting, right? <laughs> all of a sudden, all the, the, the sickness and all that's gone, the sinful nature's gone. And you're given a glorified body. And let me continue to read a little bit more about this first resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will be changed in the moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. How many are looking forward to this day? I mean, as I'm reading over this, getting pretty excited. The, God is going to raise people from the dead and give you glorified bodies. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immor immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and the mortal will, will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So we're looking for a time when there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. Now there's a first and second resurrection. And then we're going to get into the new heavens and the new earth. Is it okay I talk a little bit about this before I close out? The second resurrection. Let's read it. Revelation 20 verse 4. Then I saw thrones and they said on them the judgment was given to them. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. Those who had not worshipped the beast or his image. Now isn't it interesting that we're seeing even in our lifetime we're seeing people that have been beheaded because of the gospel. But he said those who had not worshipped the beast which is the antichrist or his image. And have not received the mark of the Antichrist on their forehead or their hand. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. You're seeing resurrection. Resurrection from the dead. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests unto God and Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So there's a first and second resurrection. And let me read one more and then I'll get into that. Revelation 20, starting with verse 11. Then I saw, this is at the end of the thousand year reign. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whom, whose presence the earth and heaven fled away. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. The sea gave up, gave up the dead which were in it. The de death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. 
Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. So this is at the end of the thousand year reign. If I read a couple more scriptures, I can tie it all together. Okay, so just follow me. The new heavens and the new earth to come. Second Peter 3, 5, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed being flooded by water. We remember Noah. But by his word, this present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. And then it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Now I'm going to get to that in a moment. So when Christ raised from the dead, there were many that raised from the dead with him. And so Christ was like the first fruits. But when he comes... There's going to be two phases. There's going to be the meeting in the air. Then there's going to be where his feet touch the Mount of Olives. But as he is meeting us in the air, the dead in Christ are going to be given glorified bodies. Those of us in Christ that are alive will be changed with a glorified body. There's this resurrection. The beginning, you understand, the beginning of this first resurrection happens with his people right there. When he physically comes to the nation of Israel at the end of those seven years, and his feet touch the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives is going to split in two. He's going to come into Jerusalem. The Bible says that at that time, the nation of Israel will look on him whom they pierced and they'll mourn. They're going to accept him finally. When they do, the Bible says it's life from the dead. You got to understand, there's going to be resurrection life that's going to surge through the nation of Israel. Are y'all hearing me? The tribulation saints, those that had died during the tribulation time for the gospel are going to be raised with glorified bodies. His first coming is marked with resurrection life and people being given glorified bodies. And see, he's called this the last Adam. And so what's going to happen is, is that Satan and his forces are going to be bound for a thousand years. The curse that was here on the earth is going to lift off. The Bible says the knowledge of the glory will cover the earth like waters the sea in that day. It's a messianic prophecy. There's going to be resurrection life that begins to surge through creation. That curse is broken. Now the lion is going to eat straw. Children will be able to play with snakes and it won't be dangerous. The curse is broken. It's going to be like it was in the Garden of Eden. Death is going to be, its powers broken. And so people are going to live like they did in the days of Adam for eight, nine hundred years. But you have to understand too, when Jesus is reigning from Jerusalem, his people have been raised from the dead, have been given glorified bodies. But Jesus is sitting on David's throne ruling the earth with a rod of iron and he's going to be judging the Gentile nations and there are many, many people that are going to be alive at the coming of the Lord that are still going to have that sin nature that do not have their glorified bodies yet. And people are going to be procreating so the earth is going to be filled up again with many people over a thousand years and the Gentile nations, there's going to come a time at the end of the thousand years 
that Satan is going to be loosed to go through the earth and tempt people again. This is the final purging. Because people that were born during that thousand years have never had to face what we faced. God's always going to give people a choice. And we're going to be telling these goofy people, there's this bad guy named the devil, okay? He's going to be loose. Don't listen to him. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of people still listen to it. A lot of times people, they have pride and they have rebellion issues in them. They don't like authority figures. And there's going to be a surprising amount of people that are not going to like Jesus. They're not going to like the way he does things. I'm just telling you. That surprises some people. But let me just tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says when the devil's loose that there's going to be people join with him and are going to march on Jerusalem and that the number of them is like the sand on the seashore. And that's a quote from the Bible. And now, now we're starting to move into the second resurrection. So we had Christ the first fruits. Now we had the first resurrection with the rapture and the coming of the Lord, his people given glorified bodies. Y'all follow me tonight? I'm not losing you, right? We've got the first resurrection. Then we've got the thousand year reign that I just explained. But at the end of it is now the second resurrection. So people march on Jerusalem to dethrone Jesus. Fire comes out of heaven, fries all of them. Now we're looking at the second resurrection time frame. I believe Daniel might have seen this as he talked about a resurrection. But at the end of the thousand years, the Bible says that the, earth, the heavens and the earth are going to be purged with fire. So what's going to happen is this. All of the people that are in hell right now that died in their sin, they really didn't ever repent of their sin and get right with God. Those people are in hell which is like a torture chamber. It's, it's a horrible place. Demons are there. It's, it's horrible. But all of those people are going to be called up out of hell. And they're going to unite with their bodies. Okay? And they're going to have to stand before the great white throne judgment. And every single one of them, God is going to open the books and he's going to explain to them why they're going to be in, in the lake of fire for eternity. I gave you multiple times to repent. You sat through this church service. You heard the gospel this time. This person went up and witnessed to you. You made fun of them. I did everything I could to try to save you. I sent my son. I sent my word. I sent my spirit. I sent my servants. I sent my prophets. You made fun of the TV preacher. You heard it on the radio and you just turned the channel. I reached out to you over and over and over. You didn't want to hear it. So this is why you're going to spend the rest of eternity in the lake of fire. He's going to go through every single person like that. But they're not just being thrown in the lake of fire as a spirit. They're uniting with their body. And so their body, soul, and spirit are now being thrown there. So hell is no longer going to exist at this time. God is going to turn all of hell into a lake of fire. And that's all it is. And all these people that are being brought up and united with their bodies are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. The heavens and the earth will be purified with a fire from heaven. There's not going to be any sea anymore, but the heavens and the earth as we know it are going to be purged. So in other words, right now, we exist in these elements that we understand. If you were to die and go to heaven, heaven is different. The physics are different. You understand what I'm saying? 
Heaven is a totally different atmosphere. The earth as we know it is going to be purified with fire and purged. Why? Because right now in the church age, the Holy Spirit is getting us ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus comes and reigns for a thousand years, he's getting us ready for the coming of the Father. So all of the dead are brought up. They're thrown into the lake of fire. All of those that are alive in Christ that are right with him at this time, if any of them did not have a glorified body, just like the twinkle of an eye, everybody now is going to have a glorified body. The heavens and the earth, the people that remain, all of us are going to be purged with fire. Why? Because now there's a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. There's a city, a new Jerusalem that God has prepared that's going to come out of heaven and descend on the earth and it's 1,500 miles wide at square. And the Bible says that God will dwell with man forever. Let me read it. Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. This is going to be the fulfillment of everything at that time. Jesus brought things back to like the Garden of Eden. But there was still a lot of people that had their sinful nature. There was still some rebellion. Jesus got things ready. But by the end of all things, this right here is where everything is completed. Everybody that needs to be in hell is going to be put in the lake of fire. Everybody on the earth is purged. We're all going to have glorified bodies now. Everybody has been raised. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Resurrection life. There's a new heaven and a new earth. The new Jerusalem has come. And the fullness of all things. So let me say it again. Because I feel like maybe I lost a few people. When Jesus raised from the dead, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. At the rapture and his coming, there's going to be a resurrection of the dead for his people and for Israel a resurrection from the dead glorified bodies but he's going to rule for a thousand years over the Gentile nations that don't have glorified bodies yet at the end of the thousand years is the second resurrection at that time everything's going to be finished the people that aren't right they're all going to be put in the lake of fire but everybody else on the earth there's going to be a purging of fire and a second resurrection amen And so how are we to live now? The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remote parts of the earth. So God is warning us to be crucified with Christ and begin to operate in resurrection power to be his witnesses. The word witness there can translate martyr. And Hebrews 11.9 By faith Abraham lived as an alien in a land of promise as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise for he was looking for a city 
which its foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So isn't it interesting that Abraham was looking way back then, dwelling as a foreigner in this earth. He was dwelling in tents, but he was looking for the day that there would be a new heaven and a new earth, and he was looking for the city, the new Jerusalem, whose maker and builder is God. Isn't that awesome? So we are heirs of the same promise that now in this life we're called to be crucified with Christ and begin to really live in resurrection power. But also we're not of this world system. Don't get entangled with it. Don't let it bog you down. We're living now as, as though we're foreigners passing through this earth looking for a city whose maker and builder is God. That's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. We're looking for that new heaven, that new earth, that new Jerusalem. This makes sense tonight? So Jesus brings resurrection, life, and power. And at his coming, there's going to be resurrection from the dead. We're going to be given glorified bodies. And Israel is going to be raised from the dead. And the glory of the Lord will cover the entire earth. 